Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today on The Joseph Carlson Show, Epic Games has declared total war against Apple. Early Thursday morning, Apple had removed Fortnite from their app store. Because Fortnite intentionally circumvented Apple's in-app purchase system, therefore avoiding their 30% tax in the App Store, 30% of the revenue goes to Apple, Epic Games intentionally circumvented that by implementing an alternative payment solution on the server side. So they got the app approved by Apple, and then after it was approved, they changed things in the game to implement their own payment solution. Now, Epic Games knew that this was a violation of App Store policies. They anticipated the removal from the App Store, and they had this ready. So when Apple removed Epic Games from the App Store, Epic Games launched a lawsuit with Apple. And on top of a lawsuit, they're also launching an entire social media campaign against Apple, making it extremely public, tweeting about it, having activities in their game that are throwing a lot of criticism at Apple. This is a battle. This is a war. They are trying to take down Apple and that oppressive, abusive 30% fee that Apple charges for their app store. The question is, are they going to be successful? That's what we're going to look into in this episode. I'm going to give you my opinion as a blood-sucking corporate capitalist and a shareholder. So you'll be able to see my thoughts on this, why I think Epic Games is in the wrong on this. I actually am siding with Apple, so you can get the thumbs down ready. I know a lot of people are on the side that Apple's bad, charging this much money to have access to their store is evil, and they're a big monopoly, and they should be taken down a notch. I'm going to be addressing these arguments and offering what I think is a different perspective, because I actually think that Apple is not good at relaying their perspective. So I'm going to go ahead, try to show both sides of it, and why I actually think that Apple is not very much oppressive with their policies. So we'll be taking a look at that. Now, before jumping into that news, I have to mention a couple items first. One fun thing was the channel finally got verified. So I got that official verification check mark. It makes me YouTube official now. So you'll see that I think on desktop, I'm not sure if they show it on mobile, but I now have the little verification. So that's a fun thing. Also, I will say the metrics of this channel are pretty amazing. We're getting over 50,000 views on basically every single video which I'm pretty grateful for. So everybody that views in every single week, that's a a really cool thing. I appreciate everybody that listens. We also have on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Podcasts, we have thousands of listeners every single episode. So I appreciate all of you. Just want to mention that, all of your support. The numbers are pretty awesome. Uh, The engagement on the channel is also really impressive. Most of the episodes have an average watch time of around 50%, which is really good comparing to other YouTube videos especially looking at the length of the videos. So they have videos that are 30 minutes plus and then have an average watch time of 40 to 50% is really good. So I appreciate everybody that, that tunes in every single week. Now, I wanted to mention that we also have a clips channel. This has been neglected for most of the time, but I have somebody working on it now. So every single episode is gonna be chopped up and spliced up in the little clips, and then you can browse it by topics. So when we cover two or three topics per episode, and you want to share one of them with a friend or something like that, this makes it into a little bit more bite-sized pieces. So you can check that out as well. 
There's a link to it on the channel homepage. Another thing I wanted to mention was the community discord. I brought this up on the previous episode and we had over 300 people join that same day. So we had a lot of new people. I got to say hi to a lot of viewers. That was cool to see. But I wanted to point out that when you join the Patreon, you don't only get access to the discord. You also get access to another project I'm working on. That is this portfolio website. It's something I'm building with a team of developers that I've worked with previously. And we're developing this to kind of go along with our style of investing. So it has a lot of information like basically your portfolio value over time. I can see my holding weighting so I can see that I own a lot of Apple. It shows it in comparison to other holdings. I can also look at my income weighting. I can see that most of my income comes from AT&T, $357 a year. And then it has a lot of other information, your financial independence progress on top of giving you your income timeline. So This gives me how much money I'm going to make every month. It pulls in live data and I can see month by month how many dividends I'm going to earn. So this is a project that's in the early stages. I'm going to keep expanding this with the team I'm working with. I'm using some of the proceeds of this Discord, the membership to fund this. So it's been a fun project to be able to do. So if you join, you don't only get access to the Discord, you also get access to the beta version of this project. And just as a reminder, you get charged at the beginning of the month. So if you join now, you will not be charged until the beginning of next month. That gives you a couple weeks to try it out for free and see if it's something that you like. Okay, now let's jump right into the big subject. Apple and Fortnite are at war with each other. This really is Epic Games, the owner of Fortnite, declaring war on Apple. What happened was Thursday morning, I got news on the Discord. Somebody said, hey, Fortnite is allowing payments in their app store that are not through Apple's in-app purchase system which is clearly a violation of Apple's policies. They say that any type of purchase happening on their system has to go through their payment solution. That way they can ensure the quality and safety of it and Apple can take their cut of operating the App Store. That's their policies, right? Well, Fortnite decided to create their own in-app purchase system. Here's a screenshot of it. They gave users choice of how they could pay, right? This is the choice. How do you want to pay? The Apple App Store for $9.99, the regular price, or the Epic Direct Payment for $7.99, the discounted price. Now, there's something notable here. Apple charges a 30% fee. That's what Fortnite has an issue with. But notice that they only discounted the price by bypassing Apple's payment solution by 20%. They went from $10 to $8 instead of from $10 to $7. So even with Fortnite bypassing Apple's 30% tax, Fortnite kept 10% for themselves. This payment solution... If you clicked on the Apple Direct Payment, it led you to this type of screen, which is their own uh, payment solution here where you can choose PayPal or you can pay with a credit card. This is against Apple's terms. I knew right away that Apple would not stand for this. They will quickly remove the app. I think that they would have removed the app if it was any company, no matter how big. There's some people saying, surely Apple isn't going to just remove the app for a game like Fortnite with how big they are. They're going to negotiate with them. They're going to work things out. It might take a day to find a solution together. No way. When I saw this, I wrote on my Discord before they removed the app, I don't think Apple would hesitate in a second to ban Fortnite, really to remove them from the App Store. Apple's not going to hesitate. They would remove Netflix if they created their own bypass to this. They would remove Amazon if they did the same thing. Apple has their store policies, and they protect that really, really well. If you violate their store policies, they will remove your app, big or small. So that's just what Apple did. After they realized that Fortnite had created this system, within a few minutes, they actually removed it right off the App Store. After removing the app from the App Store, Apple released a statement explaining why, because this game is a huge game and it's of public 
concern. They say, quote, today Epic Games took the unfortunate step of violating the App Store guidelines that are applied equally to every developer and designed to keep the store safe for our users. As a result, their Fortnite app has been removed from the store. Epic enabled a feature in its app that was not reviewed or approved by Apple, and they did so with the express intent of violating the App Store guidelines regarding in-app payments that apply to every developer who sells digital goods or services. Epic has had apps on the App Store for a decade and have benefited from the App Store ecosystem, including its tools, testing, and distribution that Apple provides to all developers. Epic agreed to the App Store terms and guidelines freely and were glad they built a successful business on the App Store. The fact that their business interests now lead them to push for a special arrangement does not change the fact that these guidelines create a level playing field for all developers and make the store safe for all users. We will make every effort to work with Epic to resolve these violations so that they can return Fortnite to the App Store. Now, after reading this statement from Apple, I thought there was two different directions they could really go. They could go more of the the strict kind of snappy comeback to Epic Games doing this, point out how they're circumventing the app more, point out how they intentionally violated the rules, that this is something, you know, that was in bad faith. They could have gone that route, but they don't seem to want to go that route. Apple's really careful, I think, in this situation as painting themselves as someone reasonable, that they just have these policies, they apply to everybody equally. Epic Games decided to go this route of intentionally violating them, so Apple reluctantly is removing them from their app store so that their users can have a safe environment. That's the the kind of picture that Apple's wanting to paint, saying we will make every effort to work with Epic to resolve these violations so they can return Fortnite to the app store. That means that they're being the ones wanting to work with them. So that's kind of the direction that they went. That is not the direction that Epic Games is going. Epic Games, the plaintiff, versus Apple, the defendant. Epic Games has filed suit against Apple under the premise that Apple uses unfair, anti-competitive actions that Apple undertakes to unlawfully maintain a monopoly. That is the premise of their suit. We're going to be looking at that a little bit later. But more than just this lawsuit, they also launched a whole social media campaign against Apple. Here's a video that Epic Games actually created, a whole animation that they had ready when they were removed from the App Store. This is part of their social media campaign. Today, we celebrate the anniversary of the platform unification directives. For years, they have given us their songs, their labor, their dreams. In exchange, we have taken our tribute, our profits, our control. This whole video is a mimic of the 1984 Super Bowl commercial that Apple did. It's the whole replay of the same thing. It has text on the screen that reads, Epic Games has defied the App Store monopoly. In retaliation, Apple is blocking Fortnite from a billion devices. Join the fight to stop 2020 from becoming 1984. Hashtag free Fortnite. They've started that hashtag, free Fortnite. Epic Games is calling to arms their army of children that play the game. They're saying, hey, all of you impressionable young people that play this game, Apple's a bad, bad store and they've banned our app that we knew they were going to ban because we willfully violated their app store policies. That's how we had all of this stuff pre-made before it happened. It says in retaliation, Apple is blocking Fortnite from a billion devices. They had this released 
within 10 minutes of Apple banning them. I don't think they put this together in 10 minutes. It's a pretty good video. So this was definitely premeditated. Epic Games knew they were going to be banned because they violated the policy. It's a pretty basic thing. But here they are calling their army of young, impressionable people that won't understand the nuances of the policies, but they're going to use them to do hashtags and to do social media campaigns and to try to paint Apple as the bad person in this situation. Now, of course, the whole social media battle doesn't end there. They released entire pages on their website dedicated to the free Fortnite hashtag, where they have kind of a, a Q&A about this. What Epic Games is trying to do is fight the battle on two fronts. They know that Apple is probably not beatable in purely just a legal battle. If they're just going to argue this by the law, I think Apple actually has the law on their side. So what Epic Games is trying to do is make it a battle of public opinion. They want to generate a public opinion battle. They want to influence what I think is largely a group of impressionable aged people to be on their side, to help them wage this battle for them. Because if they can get enough pressure, enough criticism on Apple, enough people to be on their side with their perspective, it doesn't really matter if they win the legal battle. The amount of public opinion change will be so negative against Apple that they'll have to change their policies regardless of of any type of legal requirement. So I think that's part of the goal here. They have different question and answer parts of this. Why can't I access Fortnite on iOS? Apple is blocking your ability to get the latest Fortnite update. See, that's the way that they're painting this. Apple's blocking it. When in reality, they knew Apple would block it because they violated Apple store policies. So they're framing this as Apple's the bad guy. They're blocking you from playing the game. Not we willfully violated their store policies, therefore getting our game kicked out of their app store. That's not how they phrase it. So difference in phrasing. They also say all players should have a choice in payment providers and save up to 20%. It's interesting that they choose the number 20% when Apple charges 30%. So why did they say save up to 20%? Because even Epic Games, as much against the payment that Apple takes, the 30%, they still want a payment of their own. They want to collect 10%. So they're okay saying save up to 20% instead of 30 because Epic Games wants to keep 10% for themselves. They're not against people that own platforms collecting fees. For the Epic Game Store, they take a 12% cut of everything sold on it. They also say Apple wants to limit your payment choices. Join the fight against the at App Store on social and with the free Fortnite hashtag. So they're directing these users to use these hashtags to help fight this war for them. They also have other questions here. They say, why doesn't Epic capitulate to Apple's demands to remove Epic direct payment? Epic believes that you have the right to save money thanks to using more efficient new purchase options. Apple's rules add a 30% tax on all of your purchases, and they punish game developers like us who offer direct payment options. That's another thing that people refer to it as when they want you to have a negative connotation with it a tax. They say it's a 30% tax. It's not a fee that helps Apple develop and support their app store and the infrastructure. It's just a tax, just a a meaningless tax that Apple derives. Now, I read through the entire lawsuit. It has about 28 pages, so we're definitely not going to go through all of it here, but it's online if you're interested in reading through it. I want to highlight a few parts because I think it's really important to get Epic Games perspective on this. I think that Epic Games does have some points and we should look and try to understand what they're saying. Let's look at the way that they try to characterize Apple in this complaint. 
In a section called Nature of the Action, they say fast forward to 2020, and Apple has become what it once railed against, the behemoth seeking to control markets, block competition, and stifle innovation. Apple is bigger, more powerful, more entrenched, and more pernicious than the monopolists of yesteryear. At a market cap of nearly $2 trillion, Apple's size and reach far exceeds that of any technology monopolist in history. Apple imposes unreasonable and unlawful restraints to completely monopolize both markets and prevent software developers from reaching over 1 billion users of its mobile devices, in the iPhone or the iPad, unless they go through a single store controlled by Apple, the App Store, where Apple extracts an oppressive 30% tax on the sale of every app. This is the nature of the complaint from Epic. Epic Games wishes that the Apple iPhone had a bunch of app stores on it, that it had the Apple App Store, but it also had Steam, it had Battle.net, Activision, uh, it had the League of Legends one, and it had the Epic Game Store. And all of them could run their own App Store policies, they could charge their different fees, and they could all compete with each other. Apple does not want that. They believe that a huge value of their phone is having a unified experience with similar rules for every single app that goes on it, and they can control the safety and experience of the phone. So that's something that Apple has always done. It's been very restrictive with the apps that are on their store, and they believe it's part of the value of buying an iPhone. So this is a fundamental difference in the role that they believe Apple should play. Apple believes that they should be in control of the user experience on their device. Epic doesn't, and they're suing them because of that. Now, I want to go through a couple parts of this. They say that Apple extracts, which is a good word to use, they extract an oppressive 30% tax. They use the term oppressive. I want to focus on that term because it's such a negative thing to oppress somebody. That's not a good thing. And they're saying that Apple is extracting this oppressive 30% tax. Let's go ahead and look at some other store policies. Google Play Store charges 30% for every single transaction done in similar fashion to Apple, and 15% for subscriptions after 12 months. The Amazon App Store likewise charges that oppressive 30%. But Google and Amazon aren't the only two big competitors that also, by Epic's words, charge a 30% oppressive tax. Samsung does the same thing on their Galaxy Store. Microsoft does the same thing on all games, 30%. They do 30% on all sales in business and education stores. They do a 30% oppressive tax for all Windows 8 devices and 15% for other devices. The Apple App Store charges their 30% oppressive tax, and we don't stop there. On the Xbox, Microsoft likewise charges an oppressive 30% tax on every single game sold in their Xbox store. PlayStation charges a 30% oppressive tax, even Nintendo The friendly game maker from Japan charges an oppressive 30% tax. It doesn't end there. We have the same thing from Steam, a 30% tax for new sales below $10 million, and then it staggers off for sales above $10 million. And then Epic Games charges a not oppressive 12%. So they're one of the rare ones that they charge a little bit less than other ones. But by their own words, this is oppressive across the board. Basically, every single tech company is charging an oppressive 30% tax. Do all these big tech companies altogether charge an oppressive amount? Do all of them need to be reined in? Is Fortnite raising something where it's bigger than just Apple, but Apple is the biggest player, so they're the primary target? That would be interesting to look at. Let's go ahead and look at the fees of other companies. We have Anchor by Spotify. They also charge a 30% oppressive tax on any sponsorships, any advertising. Twitch 
owned by Amazon, the streaming service, charges 50% on net subscription revenue. That's extremely oppressive. That's half the money that you gain. Roku charges 20% on pay-to-install channel purchases and an oppressive 30% on advertising inventory. So now we have Roku doing the same thing that oppressive Apple's doing. And then we have YouTube taking a 45% cut of my advertising revenue. How oppressed am I? I mean, they did build a platform that I've launched this entire amazing uh, you know, side project with that I'm able to do this. But I'm oppressed because they're taking a cut of every bit of advertising revenue that I make. We have Amazon Prime Video Direct, 50% on all purchases from rental videos. Kindle Direct, 30%. The Nook, 35%. Uh, Kobo, 30% on all ebooks. Audible, 60% on exclusive content. And then Patreon charges 8% up to 15%. When you actually compare what Apple is taking from the transactions, it is pretty comparable to basically every other platform that does anything similar. Apple is right in line with almost every single competitor. Many of them charge more. Basically, what Epic Games is referring to as an oppressive tax is the exact same thing that every company does in every different industry in very similar amounts, around 30%. Some of them do it a little bit more. Some of them do it a little bit less. We have companies here from all different sectors operating in all different businesses, even from different countries that are charging the same fees. And these aren't the only ones. There's companies outside of this tech realm that likewise charge about the same amount. You can look at Uber. The Uber driver doesn't keep 100% of the profit from a ride. They share 25% of it with Uber that is the platform. It's normal for platforms to charge fees. If we look at one part of the complaint here, they have a quote from one of the congressmen. Representative Hank Johnson aptly summed up at a recent congressional hearing on technology monopolies, quote, developers have no choice but to go along with Apple's policies or they must leave the App Store. That is an enormous amount of power. This is something stated in their complaint as a point of argument that developers have no choice to go along with Apple's policies or they have to get kicked out of the App Store. And that's so powerful. But what you can do as an exercise is just swap out Apple from any company. Pick a company and swap it out for Apple and see how it reads. Let's go ahead and, and take an example. Let's do Costco. Suppliers have no choice but to go along with Costco's policies or they must leave the Costco store. That's an enormous amount of power. That's very true. Costco has a lot of power. To get into their warehouse, you have to go along with their policies, with their return policies. You have to be able to accept returns from anybody that brings them back basically at any time. Those are extremely difficult policies for some suppliers, but that's the price you have to pay to get into a Costco warehouse and get that exposure. This is equally applicable for Costco. We could take another example. Let's plug in YouTube. Uh, content creators have no choice but to go along with YouTube's policies or they must leave YouTube. That's an enormous amount of power. That's equally true with YouTube as well. As a content creator on YouTube, I have to abide by their policies. I can't upload anything that violates their policies because I'm the one using their platform to gain exposure. I monetize my videos and they take 45% of the ad revenue. That is an enormous amount of power, but the point is that there's nothing distinct with Apple in this. You can plug in any company. The same thing with Uber. You could plug in Uber drivers and say that they have to abide by Uber's policies or they would be essentially fired from Uber. They could no longer be drivers. It's an enormous amount of power. The same thing applies to all these companies. Now, I want to go to the drawing board here and draw out essentially 
an illustration of what I see Epic Games doing here. So we're going to give the, the comparison of Costco. I think this is a pretty good comparison. I'll go ahead and draw out a Costco warehouse. So this is the Costco warehouse. It has the entrance in this corner right here. This is where they have the big doors that people enter in. And then they come in, they go around the horseshoe shaped path, and then they have the, the checkout right here. So in terms of the comparison, the checkout for Costco is the in-app purchases. And in this comparison, I'll play the role of Epic Games. So I come into the Costco, I go down the aisle, and then I go down one of these aisles and I set up a table here. I use one of Costco's tables, I set it up here. And then what I do is I lay out my own merchandise that I brought into the store. And I lay it out and I start putting price tags on the merchandise. And I set up a square payment system that's hooked up through Wi-Fi so I can start to accept payments. And then as Costco shoppers come in, they're looking at all the products that they normally see with Costco. They see my table set up with price tags on everything and my own little payment solution. And they go, hey, there's some stuff there I can buy. And they start buying it. And what I'm doing is circumventing Costco's payment system here. I'm not having them go through the checkout. I'm not even sure Costco knows about this. But eventually Costco finds out and they say, hey, what are you doing? You're setting up a, a little shop within our warehouse? And I say, yes, of course I am. They say, you can't do that. That's against the rules. We can't have you set up a table and your own payment solution and start selling stuff to our customers. That's not fair. I say, of course that's fair. It would be anti-competitive if I couldn't do that. I want to have access to all of your customers that you've gained over years of making your store a specific experience. I want to have access to your customers, to your warehouse, to your infrastructure, to all the investments that you've done to make Costco a good shopping experience. I would like to have access and exposure to your customers. I'd like to be able to sell my merchandise for free and have the support of your warehouse with the roof over my head. And I would like to do that without paying you anything. In fact, I want to circumvent all payments from you and open up my own little payment system here. That's all I'm requesting. I don't think it's a whole lot. And I think it's unfair that you won't allow me to do this. Now, of course, in this case, if I set up my own miniature store within Costco and circumvented their whole processes and policies, they would promptly kick me out just like Apple kicked out Fortnite. They would say, get out of our store. Uh, you can't do that. You violated numerous policies and we're not going to allow this. So they kick me out. And then what I do is I launch a social media campaign complaining that Costco is this big, bad, oppressive company because they want to share of the profits of the items that I sell in their warehouse. This is basically what I see Epic Games doing. They want to have access to Apple's customers, to their store, to their infrastructure, to all of the investment that has made it the top grossing app store. And they want to have that without paying anything. They want to be able to have their own miniature store within it. Now, this is early in this whole story. We're like one day in this, Apple really hasn't had time to respond to this entire uh, ambush by Epic Games. They had all of this material ready. They had this whole campaign ready to go, and they blasted Apple with this entire campaign right off the bat. So we're going to give time for Apple to respond. I'll be following the story, but there's a couple things we can look at to try to get an idea of how Apple will address this. And that is a similar complaint that Spotify has had with Apple. Apple responded to Spotify pretty directly. They said Spotify wants all the benefits of a free app without being free. They highlighted that 84% of the apps in the App Store pay nothing to Apple when you download or use your app. They say apps that are free to you aren't charged by Apple. Apps that earn revenue exclusively through advertising, like some of your favorite free games, aren't charged by Apple. App business transactions where the user sign up or purchase digital goods outside of the app aren't charged by Apple, and apps that sell physical goods, including ride-hailing and food delivery services, to name a few, 
aren't charged by Apple. So Apple's defending themselves here. They're saying, look, there is a huge amount of categories that we charge nothing for. We only charge the 30% to a very specific groups of apps where the user downloads and consumes digital goods on that very device. Later on in this, Apple tries to clarify their point of view. So you always get the other point of view. This is Apple outlining how they see it. They say, let's be clear about what this means. Apple connects Spotify to our users. We provide the platform by which users download and update their app. We share critical software development tools to support Spotify's app building. And we build a secure payment system, no small undertaking, which allows users to have faith in in in-app transactions. Spotify is asking to keep all those benefits while also retaining 100% of the revenue. This is the case that Apple made responding to Spotify. And I would assume that we'll see some similarities when they respond to Fortnite. But even the Spotify campaign, as public as it was, I don't think will be anything quite like this one. This is a much more big campaign. Spotify didn't try to uh, circumvent the App Store policy in bad faith and get kicked off the app platform. Spotify didn't take all their users out of Apple's ecosystem. You know, this is a whole different level that Fortnite's going to. Fortnite has a lot of conviction that Apple's doing the wrong thing. Tim Sweeney, the CEO of Fortnite, the creator of it, does not like Apple. He doesn't like their policies. He has extremely strong conviction against Apple. And I have to give him credit for that. He has a strong conviction and he's willing to put a lot on the line. He's willing to take millions of the users of Fortnite off of this platform just as leverage to wage war against Apple. In a tweet, he once said, Apple has gone crazy. If colleges hold virtual classes through an iPhone app, Apple could demand 30% of the tuition. Truly, Apple has no right to take any percent of any company's revenue just because they made the phone people use to access the stuff. This is how Tim Sweeney views Apple. Like they're just this public utility Uh, It's kind of like just the roads. It lets you have access to other things. Uh, It's like plumbing, you know, it lets you get your water. That's all Apple is. They just make these devices and you should be able to install anything you want on them in any format, all different stores on them. They should just be this public kind of open platform. That's the way he views Apple. Of course, a lot of Apple users, as well as Apple themselves, do not view themselves that way. They view their products as a single product, that the iPhone is a very specific relationship between hardware and software working in cohesion together to give you a very specific experience that Apple controls. That's how they view it. Apple is a much more restrictive and controlling platform than Android. And I think part of that has been their success. So Tim Sweeney and Apple have very fundamental differences in the way that they view what an Apple product is. So it's interesting to see both sides of this. We'll see how this plays out over time. This is in the early stages, but I'll be following this story. Now, in terms of Apple's stock, it really hasn't been affected too much by this news. It came out in the evening, but after hours, Apple stock really didn't change all that much. And my portfolio has been doing really well recently. We have over $11,000 in gains. A lot of this has been in just the past couple months, largely because of my position in Apple that I took about a month or two ago. So I thought that Apple was undervalued. I put quite a bit of money into it, and it's up about $5,000 right now. So my current position in Apple is over $20,000 now. It's a pretty significant part of the portfolio. In terms of the risk of this uh, lawsuit, this whole media campaign against Apple, I'm not sure what will happen. This is really early, like I said. To speculate, I think that Apple will be extremely reluctant to change anything with their App Store policies. Because if they make any type of concessions with Epic Games, that shows that they would be treating them differently. So I don't think Apple has any problem banning them off of the devices and keeping them off of the device for as long as necessary. Apple does not rely on Fortnite. 
Apple does not need Fortnite's income. To Fortnite, Apple is a significant portion of their user base. So all the competitors to Fortnite, they're going to be trying to take market share and use this window of opportunity to get their games played on Apple devices every single day when Fortnite is gone. So we'll see how this plays out. But I think that Apple will be extremely reluctant to make any changes to their policies because of this. Okay, well, on that note, I'm going to end this episode here. I'll be able to have another one out this weekend. So if you haven't, subscribe to the channel. I'll continue the conversation. We'll be able to discuss this issue more. And I'll be able to get to a lot of the comments and emails that I've received over the past couple weeks. I have a lot of people asking me about different holdings in my portfolio, different changes I've made. And so I'm going to be going into more detail on the specific stocks that I'm buying right now in the next episode. But thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you guys next time.